I want to share a word with you this morning, though, because I do want to uh, go back to a little bit of what we talked about on Wednesday night. If you weren't here, you can go back and listen. We talked a lot about, about this stuff, but really this idea that we are making a difference in the world and that really, truly, God has called us to make a difference in our world, the world in which we live, but the world in which you operate in every day. And, and it seems to be a theme with me lately, but the word that I had for you today was the treasure. Not to ask you where your treasure is specifically, but the idea that says we're bringing in the harvest. And on Wednesday night, I said, you know, God challenges me and asks me and tells me all the time when I pray and I ask him questions. And, you know, I have I have questions just like you do. God, what's going on? What are you doing? How do you want to use me? What's happening? And, and when I begin to complain or I begin to get a little cranky with God or I don't begin to see the things that I thought I would see, he usually responds, you're either going to be part of the problem or you're going to be part of the answer. What do you want to be? And I think really, truly, we're part of the answer. I know we're part of the answer in the South Sudan. And many times I've asked and I've been a little cantankerous and said, you know what, that's a lot of money, that's a lot of effort, that's a lot of time that we're planting in that place. You know, I mean, that's, that's a lot of stuff. But I'm telling you what, there is fruit. And where there is good ground, there'll be fruit. And there is fruit, so you plant seed where there's fruit. So we continue to plant seed and stand. That is part of our field. That is part of where we're planting. And it's also part of where we're harvesting in this church. And so we stand with Pastor Stanley, helping him do all that God's called him to be, to be a part of the things that God shares with us to be. In Matthew chapter 28, I want to give you this scripture and then talk just a little bit about the field. In Matthew 28, it's the Great Commission. And many of us understand and know this, and we've heard this. It says in verse 19, Go go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. I asked Pastor Stanley to share with me one young lady or one young man that were a little bit older who could tell me and share with me, what is it like before you came to Dreamland, and what is life like after? And uh, he sent this young lady to Brad and I to be able to film, and she was, she was wonderful, full of smiles, and so happy. And she said, before I came to Dreamland, it was nothing but work. My family didn't care about me. They put me to work. I had to work hard. Sometimes they fed me. Sometimes they didn't feed me. Basically, they just used her for whatever service they could. Hard labor, whatever she had to do. She was young. And then I said, well, what's it like since you've been at Dreamland? Oh, she said. We get to pray, we get to praise, we get to clap, we get to dance, we get to have a good time, we get to enjoy ourselves. They teach us, they teach us well, we have great teachers, we have people who care for us. See, there were no problems and no issues. And growing in, she said and the young man said, growing in to good Christian young and men. They're teaching us to be good Christian young and men, uh, young men and women. You know, they are part of our field and we're doing what this scripture says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. You may not be there discipling them, but somebody is there discipling them. They are there because many of you send $50 a month just to support them, to take care of them so that they can be there. So we're doing this. But then God begins to work on me, and he begins to share with me, and he begins to talk to me, and he begins to ask me, but what about home? (laughs) See, we see this scripture, and we talk about the field. We actually call missions the mission field. See, and we understand when God says, go out into the field, make disciples and do those kind of things. We get that. And we want to be a part of missions. Many of us want to go. How many of you want to go some? I mean, you want to go some. You can't see videos like that and not want to go. I don't know what we all do. <laughs> Fill up Stanley's pews, I guess, in his church. But, you know, I mean, we all, want, we all want to be a part of what God is doing and we all want to go. But if you'll turn to Matthew chapter 13, I want to share this with you because God... 
God cares about what's happening in the South Sudan, but he cares about what's happening in Lafayette, Indiana. And he has positioned people in the South Sudan to take care of the people in the South Sudan, no doubt. And he's positioned people in Lafayette, Indiana to take care of Lafayette, Indiana. And that God cares just as much about the souls and the people that you run into on the streets, on the highways and byways of your life, as he does these young people in the South Sudan. They may be a new nation, they may be a growing and prosperous nation, or, or, or a nation that's near prosperity, has an opportunity to be prosperous. Pray for them. They're, very, they're in a precarious position. The North stole $850 million from them over this last year in oil proceeds and revenues. And so the South got mad and shut off the oil. Well, the North only gets money from that oil. So now the North is extremely ticked off at the South, and the South is extremely ticked off at the North. And the president has told the people of South Sudan, you need to tighten your belts. We're not going to give up and we're not going to give in, but this will be a year where we're going to have to scrimp, scrap, and fight for everything that we eat and everything that we get. They're working very diligently right now to build a pipeline from the south into Kenya so that when the oil can flow again, it goes to Kenya and South Sudan gets the proceeds of their oil instead of the north stealing from them. Stanley's very irritated and he doesn't hate the north. He doesn't like the Muslims. He said, there are no Muslims in Sudan. The Muslims have invaded Sudan and tried to change Sudan to Islam. He said, they're not true Sudanese people. They have come to this place to do this evil thing. And, and they tried to do it for a long time. Now, south is separated, but the north is just every bit as part of Sudan as the south is. In this particular verse in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, is that even the right verse? I don't even think it is. Is it? Oh, I'm on 34. That's why it doesn't look right. So we're going to have a different message. I like this. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Where we sit today in the church, in the body of Christ, many times, it says, And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for the joy, for the joy that he had over that treasure... He goes and he sells all that he has and he buys the field. It doesn't say that he goes and he digs up the treasure. It says that he goes and he buys the entire field. That as believers today says the kingdom of heaven is like that treasure that's hidden in the field. And in the body of Christ, we have this idea and this thought that if I know the word and I understand the word, then all of the treasure is mine and I can sit in my house and do whatever I please, do whatever I want to do. I'll go to church on Sundays. I'll go to church on Wednesday too sometimes. I'll even watch a few things. I'll send some money to an orphan. But here's the deal. I'll stay in my house with mine and ours and I'll just do what I feel like I need to do and not worry about the field because all the treasure is mine. And what we truly begin to become is treasure hunters. That we want the treasures that the word provides for us, but do we truly want the field? And here's the thing. The treasures are revealed and they're hidden in the field. The treasures are revealed to the one who will sell all and buy the field. And if you will buy the field that God has for you, if you will go out into the field that he has provided for you, then I tell you, you will have all the treasure. But if you won't go out into the field, if you won't go forward in your own strength to do what God commands you in your day-to-day -day life, not just to go to work, but to do what it says in Matthew chapter 28, to make disciples, to bring people into the kingdom, to harvest the souls that are out there for the kingdom of God. If we won't go out and buy that field, then we won't have the treasure. And eventually in our lives, we'll become bored. We'll become discouraged and disappointed. 
Many times it's because you didn't get the treasure in your heart, not because something else happened. You didn't see the thing that God told you you would see. That's a treasure that's hidden in the field. Well, how do you get that? See, we want to we want to process. We want to one, two, three, four. We want to we want to take a class that says, tell me the steps to financial prosperity in my life. But really, truly, even in that area and in that arena, it means selling all and buying the whole field. Doesn't he say, give it all up? Look at the rich young ruler. He says, I want everlasting life. Basically, I want the treasures that's provided for me in your word. And he said, go sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and come and follow me. Buy the field. Sudan, South Sudan, and yay. I mean, that's a mission field. That is a field. We have bought the field, and we are reaping treasures. Kids' lives are being changed. A nation is being transformed. And really, truly, it, where we live in this place, we're reaping treasures. Why? Because we bought the field. In this church, we, we have purposed in our heart to buy the field. But too many people are looking for the goods and not his goodness. See, too many times we, we come to Christ because we're a mess, and that's fantastic. But we stay a mess because we never find his goodness. We're looking for his goods. We came to Christ broken, and we needed his treasure. We needed something in our life to change us and to make a difference, and he did. And there's nothing wrong with that because without that, we don't have anything. Without his, without his treasure, without, without a, with everlasting life, without him changing who we are, without him making us a new creature in Christ through salvation, without the blood of Christ, we really truly are nothing. But it's when we then come to church and continue to make it about us. See, church isn't a place where we come to find out how to reap the treasure. Church is the place where we come to get encouraged and find out how we can reap the harvest in the field. See, the pastor's job, the five-fold anointing of the, of, of the five-fold ministry, that whole thing is to train the saints to do the work of the ministry. That each and every one of you are called, you're appointed, you're anointed, and you're prepared to go out and to work in the field. These young kids went out and worked when they were little. They understand that they had to go out and dig. That's what they talked about. We had to go out and dig. I don't know what that means, but they had them digging. That was a big, you know, dig holes, whatever it is. See, in, in your life, what, it, where, what is the field that God has placed you in? In church, I'm just the coach. You're the team. And the coach doesn't necessarily go out into the field and play. The, he encourages the team and instructs the team how to go out where? On the field and play the game. You don't tell somebody to go out there and just stand on the 20-yard line. The whole field is where the game is played. And each one of those people who were on the field playing for that team, they have a job and a responsibility, and the whole field is theirs. It used to be back in the day, girls' basketball, you couldn't cross center court. I don't know if they did that here in Indiana, but in Oklahoma, they're very backwards. They played six-on-six six basketball until I was like a freshman in high school, and they played three girls on one side and three girls on the other, and you couldn't cross half court. Did you play that, Lori? Would you have to play a little six-on-six? Six? That's how backward it was. They didn't even play five-on-five. Five. They got three offense and three defense, and you couldn't cross the center line. It's not like that anymore. There are five-on-five, five and they can go anywhere that they please and anywhere that they're supposed to go. In your life, you are put in a field. Now you need to go out, buy the field, take everything that's in there, not be a treasure hunter going after the things that God has for us and just the treasures that are promised to us in the Word, but go after the harvest that's in your field. Because the harvest is in the field, John chapter 4. See, because treasure hunters, this is the deal. You don't know. You just say, oh, no, no, I'm all about the field. I'm not a treasure hunter. We're here, we're, here's where you can begin to make a difference, and this is for you to judge in your own heart right now. Treasure hunters get bored with the service aspect of the gospel. 
See, treasure hunters turn off the message that says, serve. Treasure hunters turn off the message that says, be a witness. Treasure hunters turn off the message. They, get, they don't listen to the message that says, go out and lead people to Jesus. That's somebody else's job. I'm not called to that. Yes, you are. See, the Great Commission. The Great Commission isn't a suggestion. It's actually a commandment. We call it the Great Commission because we think that's just God telling us or showing us what we might be able to do somewhere along the way. The word commission actually is an authoritative order. It's a charge or a direction. See, the treasure isn't in the pew. The treasure's in the field. And we think as we come into the, to the church, as we come into... Now, I am telling you, God's got great things for you. He's got great things for you in this house, in this place. But I believe really, truly, with all my heart, this is going to be a year of harvest like we haven't seen before. Financially, yes, in your life. And you will all jump up and down if I say it's a great harvest in your life financially. We, we get excited about that. I even shared a message last year that said you need to participate in your harvest. That in Philippians chapter 4, it says that God will meet all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. But he's actually, Paul, saying that about the Philippians who were supporting him in his ministry. That as they gave and participated in the giving part, God was going to bless them and pour out in the receiving end. And we would even say in this church, I'm all for that. I'll even give that direction. But now when we start talking about the treasure in the field and the harvest of the souls... See, then we start thinking, well, I'm not real sure about that. Is that, har- that harvest is going to be even greater than the financial harvest that you see in your life. That the financial re- re- harvest that you see in your life will be the thing that propels you and allows you to go out into the world and to bring people to Christ. Not just to put money in the church so that the church can go out and win people to Jesus, so that the people who make up the church can go out into the field and win people to Jesus. You cannot do what God can do, but he will not do what you can do. See, you cannot do what God can do. And many times we go out and say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, God. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Don't worry about it. He will do that part. But he cannot do or will not do what you should do. Go out and open up your mouth. And he needs you. He needs each and every one of us on the field going out and making a difference. It says in John chapter 4 right here, the field says, do not say that four months will come and then the harvest. Verse 35 says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. I don't have time to go into this probably at the moment, but he's talking about the fact that the Samaritans have come out to see him in that moment and they all wore white. He wasn't talking about a literal field that had cotton or anything like that. The Samaritans had come out because of this lady that Jesus spoke to. She was at the well, and she was the one when Jesus said, go back and tell your husband. And she said, well, I don't, I don't. let me tell you the story. See, I'm not really married, but I was married. I had a few husbands, but they're not mine. But this guy lived with me. And she was trying to explain her badness and what she probably knew in her own life to be sin to Jesus. And Jesus said, you've spoken right. I'll tell you the truth. The ones that you live with right now, he's not your husband. Tells her the whole story. Changes really her life because in that moment then she realizes that he's the Messiah that he's the one And so what does she do when her life has been changed? But she goes back to the people who were in her town and she told them all There is a man who was out here who has told me my whole life story who has read my book And that has changed my life and I am telling you if you will come out here with me and you will come out and see him He he will make a difference in your life and all of a sudden she became an evangelist And see, one lady who had a jacked up, messed up life, 
Things didn't go well for her. She wasn't righteous in the, in the natural. She was just a woman who had been through some stuff. And how many of you have been through some stuff? God can use everybody. This is just another example. And he brings this lady into the city. And then this lady brings all these people out to Jesus. And he tells his disciples, look around. You got lunch, but this lady brought me souls. Because he said, I have food that you don't know I can eat. And they're, they're kind of concerned about what's for lunch. And again, he rattles their cage and says, look what this lady has done. She's brought out all these people. Look now. Don't tell me that there's four months before the harvest comes. Look out before you right now. Here are all these people who want to be saved, who want to be changed. Now, I'm paraphrasing a little bit of it and making it be our language and not what we read in the word. I'm not changing the word, but I'm just making it understandable for us. And then listen, because this is important down here. If you go down to verse 39, it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Don't you think that what God has done in your life isn't enough to go out and to share it with somebody else and God to do something big? See, the miraculous and the change and all those things that happen in people's lives, we don't do that, but you had better be used as the instrument of God to share the word and the thing that's on the inside of you. It says in Revelations, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your what? Testimony. This lady went in and told what Jesus did and said to her. Then they brought that whole city back out here to Jesus, and it said many were saved that day because she opened up her mouth. She bought the field. She bought the entire field and didn't just go for the treasure. See, too many people in the world today, marriage is, marriage is, is just, a, they're just, young people today have this idea that they'll just go for the treasure. I don't need the commitment of marriage. I don't need to hook up with you. Like by, by law, I just live with you and I'll shack up and the treasure becomes hot sex or whatever that might be. And that idea that says, you know what? We, we can just have sex. I'm telling you what, that is not the treasure. It is a treasure. If it's all done well and Right. Like by the word, not like your techniques. But I, the treasure, sorry. I don't know. Here's the deal, see? If you don't buy the field, the field of marriage is the commitment that you make between God and this other person that you are going to be with them forever. That's the field. And then within the field lies the hidden treasure. We think too much today that we can have treasures without having to buy the field. Not just in marriage, but in the word, not just in your work. You won't do things at home because all you want is the treasure. There is commitment that comes with buying the field. There is work that comes in marriage. There is snotty noses and waking up late or staying up late and waking up early with kids and forgiving and forgetting and all of that junk that comes with it. You just don't get the treasure. And when you talk about the kingdom of God, there is work to do. And we don't like to hear that word, that four-letter word that says work. But I am telling you, in the kingdom of God, you will never be so happy, fulfilled, or pleased than when you decide to buy the field, get out there with your sickle, and start harvesting and working for God. I work for God. I get up every morning and I go to work. Great. That is your field. That's where God has placed you. But listen, he has purpose for you in that place. And you won't find your purpose in this world till you get in the field. Look in Ruth in chapter 2. I tell you, if you chase cash, you won't find anything. But if you chase Jesus, cash will chase you. You may chase opportunity all day long, but you won't find it. But if you chase Jesus, opportunity will chase you. He will make what other people chase, chase you if you get in the field. 
See, if you will go out and buy the field, the things that other people are after, the things that other people seek, God will make those things chase you. Now look in Ruth. This is a story in chapter 2 where Ruth meets Boaz. Now listen to this because this is important. Ruth eventually marries Boaz. Where did she meet her man? In the field. She didn't meet her man in the club. She didn't meet her man somewhere else. She met her man where? In the field. She wasn't looking for a man. She was out to harvest and to reap and to do what needed to be done in the what? In the field. And while she was in the field, she ran into this guy who eventually ended up marrying her. But in the field, she found protection. She found the master. She she found provision. And truly, if we go on and read here in in the King James Version, she found purpose. If you read this story, it says, Then there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth and the Moabites, so Ruth the Moabites, my Moabites, I'm sorry, I'm trying to read fast. She said to Naomi, Please let me go where? To the field. Let me go to the field, not just to stand in the field, not just hoping that somebody gives me a handout in the field, but she said, please let me go to the field that I may glean the heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Then she left and she went and she gleaned in the field after the reapers. What she thought there wasn't anything left, the reapers would come through. She even gleaned after they had done their work. There were still people there in your life, even though somebody might have come by and saved everybody in your office, there's somebody else left there. She says, Ruth came and she gleaned and she reaped and she brought in a little bit of a harvest even after those who were the reapers had already come through. So there was enough left there even for her in that moment. And it says in verse 4, Now behold, Boaz came from, the, from, from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. And he said, Boaz said to his servants, his servant who was in charge, Who's this young lady? Who's this woman? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came with Naomi from the the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean. This is what the guy was telling Boaz, telling him the story. Please let me glean after the reapers among the sheaves so that she came out. And she has continued this morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen to me, my daughter. And then he tells her this, and this is important in verse 8, because I think many times we like somebody else's field and not our own field. We think things are going to be better in this field over here. And God told you to be in this field, and you said, you know what? That's going to cost me too much. I don't like that. It's too much work. I don't enjoy that. Whatever you think your reason might be, you say, you know what, God? I'm going to go make my way in some other field. I'm going to go try to be this, or I'm going to go try to do this. Or you know what? You wanted me to do it over here in my neighborhood, but you know what? I don't like any of those people, so I'll go over here and try to have a Bible study at work. If God didn't tell you to have a Bible study at work, get out of that field. Get back in your neighborhood where he told you to be and have a Bible study there because that's your field. You can't make it up, and you don't need to be jumping from field to field to field to field. God puts you in a field, and he puts you in a place where you have influence, and you go out in that field, and you harvest, and you reap for the kingdom of God. It says in verse 8, do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay closely by my young women. He told Boaz, or he told Ruth, don't go anywhere else and don't go to another person's field. You stay here. And she stayed. And that wasn't the first time she heard that story. When she came back and she talked to her mother-in-law in verse 21, Ruth the Moabite has said, he said to me, you shall stay close to my young men until they have finished my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth in verse 22, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with, this young, with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. Don't go somewhere else. 
that you may not know what to do in your field, ask God. You may be unsure as to what to say. Ask God. See, you may be more talented in another field, but that's you. You may see more giftings in another field, but that's you. God's placed you in a field that he's placed you in. Stay there. Excuse me. Unless he asks you to move, don't move. And he goes on here, and listen, he says in verse 9, Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and they go after them. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? There is protection in the field. And then it says, And when you are thirsty, you go to the vessels, and you drink from what the young men have drawn. There's provision in the field. But you have to be where? In the field. But if you'll stay in the field, if you'll buy the whole field, the treasure will be yours. Does it not say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then what? All of these things will be added to you. What things? The hidden treasures that we find in the Word. See, we find the treasure with our eyes. We find the treasure with our ears. We're constantly looking in the Word of God for a new promise, for a new provision, for a new thing. But God says, if you'll seek me first, my kingdom, my righteousness, my will for your life, buy the whole field, get out there and bring in the harvest, I will provide for you all the treasures and all the things that are laid up for you in there. Woo! Yay! It's a good word. Otherwise, you become Shanita. Right? She need a car. She need a, she need a ranch. She need a, she need a bill paid. She need a... Right? We, we, everybody becomes, I said this a few months ago, somewhere back in the fall or something, you know, you, 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 there's too many Shanita. We all, we come to God being Shanita, but eventually we got to be the one who has a. I don't know who their name is. But see, when you continue to be Shanita for all of these years, it's all about you and what you need a. You'll become discouraged. You'll become depressed. That's the person who comes to church every now and then now. Their life was changed, but it didn't go the right direction. Why? They didn't buy into the field. They were looking for the treasure. But I was needy in my life. Yes, we all come to Christ needy. But we don't stay needy because we get in the field. And if we'll get in the field and we'll get about his business, he will take care of all those things. And the hidden treasures will become ours. And I don't want to talk about my kid all the time. And I don't like to talk about Daniel all the time. But I am telling you, there is a reason that kid is blessed. He has decided to be about the field and what God told him to do. And he's going to go do it. Regardless of what it is, and I'm telling you, the more he learns and he makes mistakes and he messes up, and you probably know a lot of the things he's done that he hadn't told me. (laughs) But I'll tell you this, there is blessing that comes from doing what God told you to do, and it's the blessing that you need for your life, and it will sustain you everywhere that you go. But if you refuse to get out and do what you can do, you're actually clipping the hands of God, and he can't do what he can do. It's, it's the truth. It's the word. I'll ask you this to set you up. How many of you know somebody who's not saved? See, how many of you know somebody who, who, who needs Jesus in their life? How many of you know somebody who's, go, who's a wreck and they've got stuff going on? And maybe you've prayed for them and maybe, you know, maybe you have. Maybe you have reached out for them. It said some will sow and some will reap and you will harvest. It says in John chapter 4, you will harvest where you haven't sown. So maybe you sow there and somebody else is going to harvest that seed. Don't get your dauber down. God didn't put you on this earth to save one person. See, he puts you on this earth and he's called people and attached people to each one of us. And he has put them in your field and he's put them in your area and in your sphere of influence. 
But it's up to us. In Acts, in chapter 2, verse 47. It's right there at the end of Peter's message. And I, you know, I, I've been talking about and sharing a lot about the, the, the book of Acts. And, and you may say, well, why, 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 why? Because God did great things, and I believe we're going to see this. See, I, I believe we're going to see this. But what we have to understand was, this wasn't just a miraculous move of God. There were men and women involved. Men and women, just like you and just like me. And you say, well, how, how audacious would that to, to be for me to think I could be like Paul or I could be like Peter in this? How could, I, how could I be like that? I mean, really, truly, you think I can operate to the fact that when I walk down the street, people get healed in my shadow? Yes! But you got to buy the field. See, they were, they, Jesus died on the cross. Peter and John and Paul, I mean, they were, they were crucified upside down. They were, they were, they were, they were, some were stoned. Stephen was stoned. And then you got John who's boiled in a vat of oil. And I mean, these guys gave their lives because they believed in the cause. Not just a group of kids in the South Sudan, but they cared about the kids in their school and their neighborhood. See, they stood and they prayed and they, 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 they witnessed to the people. And it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were saved. Now look around you today. Who don't you recognize? This is a tough word for me. See, the, the God added to the church daily those who were saved. Who was out there bringing people to Jesus? It wasn't God. It was God working through the men and the women who would open up their mouth and lay their hands on people and share the good news. We share the good news in the Sudan. I can rally you and I can encourage you and God's anointing can move and we can see thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars come in to fill a container and to send it. But I am telling you what, church, we need to get busy right here in the town in which we live because there are hurting people who are going to die and go to hell because we won't open up our mouth. He has not just called us to the field of South Sudan. He has called us to this world, to this nation, to this state, and to this city. And you have influence in your field. You have influence. There was real growth, real growth, real harvest in the church of Acts. In Acts, in chapter 6, verse 7, it says basically the same thing. As you read through the beginning of the, of, of the book of Acts, I would encourage you to go back and do it because it will stir you. It says in verse 7, Then the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. That wasn't just because God moved in. I am telling you, there is a movement of God, and He will move, but He moves through people. He moves through your mouth. He moves through your hands. He moves through your obedience to Him. And who doesn't want to see this church explode and to grow and to double and to triple and quadruple in the next six months, next year? I do, you do, we all do. But I am telling you what, that will truly, yes, be a move of God. But God moves through His people. And each one of us has to go out not look for the treasure, not look for the hidden thing that we think we're going to find somewhere in the Word and somewhere through some false obedience to something that we have decided that needs to be done. But to go out and to do what God asked us to do in our neighborhood and in our home just as I've been preaching and sharing for this last 
last year to stir and to encourage the body of Christ to buy the field, not be a treasure hunter, but to go after all that God has for us to make a difference in the area of our influence like nobody else can to bring people to the salvation of Jesus Christ. That is what we're here for, folks. I mean, we are here for it. And you say, well, I don't think I could be like Paul. I don't think I could be like Peter. Yes, you can. It says when you go back and you look at the parable of the vineyard laborers, that he hired some in the first of the day. He hired some in the third of the day. He hired some in the... See, he went through. And he went from ninth hour to the eleventh hour. To, and he went all the way to the end. The eleventh hour is five o'clock. It gets dark at 5.30. So this person worked for a half hour in this day. There was somebody else clear back at the beginning who worked that whole time and that whole season. But it said that the master paid each one the same. This is the last days. We are in a place where we need to see a move of God. And who is he going to move through? Us. And you say, well, I don't know if it could be done in my life. I don't know if it could be like it could in the book of Acts. It says that this work, this master, he paid each one the same. Him who started at the beginning or him who started in the last hour. And as he poured out his anointing that day in Acts in Pentecost, and he poured it out afresh and anew, and 3,000 people and 5,000 people, they all began to be saved and God added to the church daily. He can do the same thing today, even though it's a 5 o'clock and if the sun's about to set at 5.30, he has the same power, the same fresh anointing and he wants to pour it out in the world today and he wants to use each and every one of us to do it at work at work you are in the right man i'm telling you you found your field see you find you you want to help you've wanted to help people forever dogs cats whatever it was man you didn't care you wanted to help them but it's about people you you don't have to be scared You trust God and God will make a difference. You ask God and he will show you. But you be obedient to what he says. One person, two people, six people, ten people. Before you know it, I'm telling you, the things that other people chase after will be chasing after you if you will chase after his heart. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.